2: What's good, y'all? This is Breeze Bruin from the Mighty Juggernauts. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, The Hip Hop Interviews with Tim and kell
1: the Hip Hop Interviews with Tim Ironcow. It is old so fucking official. All right, stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library Rap. The Hip Hop Interviews with Tim Ironcow. It's cold. Yeah.
0: What do you see in this the big he ah! wants to try to play me, them usually enemy, enemy. Intimidate-
3: so I'm Messiah a legendary producer uh, welcome to the library of Rap, the hip-hop news with Tim Monicale thank you so much for being here
2: indeed
3: thank you for having me brother thank you so I want to start with uh you know obviously the God God complex that drops uh, September 30th uh I feel the title is the title means a lot right so but what does it mean to you what's the significance of the title?
2: Okay, so we're dealing with the word complex, even though I spelled it c m p l x a complex, as we know, is a housing, a building, a body, right right, and a lot of people look at it like, you got a god complex no, <laughs> and yes <laughs> meaning meaning the 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 energy that we call God or whoever him she they, whatever it is is all housed in self what we are is the all so so, so if you're talking about God, Allah, Yahweh, they are in us. So, in us is the ability to do whatever we want to do. Everything that exists in this plane of existence is right here within us. So, you're able to be beautiful, intelligent, strong. You know what I mean? Everything within self. And so, what I want to do is just display different aspects through different MCs, hopefully, and that hopefully it comes across like that. But um it's just a kind of a play on words but yet in reality i'm saying that that god is within us and we can display that
3: when did the uh title for the album come up to you i mean was it kind of is it, when, when you're approaching an album like this are you i mean is like the is the i guess is the is the uh the blueprint is it uh title first then mcs or whatever or is it more like create the album and then that title just comes to you
2: no, well this this title came to me in the nineties. <laughs> I uh I uh in the nineties it's funny because brothers and sisters think alike. I uh was dealing with this artist. Well, I still am, it's family. I have this artist that I work with named Jay Electronica. So uh mid to late nineties I, I met him. If you know anything about Jay Electronica his story, he comes from uh his 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 beginnings were with me. So we had this thing, and we called it God. We got it called it God Hop. We weren't dealing with hip hop; we were dealing with God Hop. And you will even hear him say it on his music, and you hear me throughout the years deal with it in hip hop. And um, around '99 or '98, when my baby was born, we had already dealing with God Hop, but um, it was—I um, came up with the title God Complex. This album is 25, 30 years in the making. I wanted to do this for years; I just never got around to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Until I began, basically became an a, a, a empty nester. So my, my children, <laughs> when my children got old enough, and got, in fact, one of them still here. But when, she, when they <laughs> got independent and doing their thing, they, they, and it's 27-year-old and 23, well, I'm sorry, 24-year-old. And uh, that's when I decided, okay, I can get to work. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, it started in the 90s, that, that concept.
3: Okay, so I have, I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, so I have about uh, sixteen more years. Okay, and then I get yeah. I, I get to work. That that's good to know. Uh,
2: and, and, and two grandchildren. Oh you know man! I mean?
3: Oh man! <laughs> um, it's a hip-hop granddad for real. <laughs> um, you know, the, 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 one of the tracks, uh, uh, "Soul Supreme," uh, features a uh, Kambata. Um, it's 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 you know the thing I've always loved about your beats is that you. You always you, you you create beats that complement that 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 no matter what which artist is on it, uh, no matter what genre, it always complements the artist's voice. Um, when you when you did when you did the beat for Soul, Soul Supreme, how did you know that uh, Batha would be the uh, the artist to go with this track?
2: Well, w- when I wanted to do the the song, I I asked him to do it before I did the beat. I literally tailor. I don't okay, so I make beats, but I don't make a beat a group of beats and then stick artists on it mm-hmm. i ask, I, t- I build with artists see where they are with it and then i build a track for them i look at music that i create an artist like a tailor does a model so if you wear a size 34 pants i'm not gonna fit you in a size 40 waist because you're gonna be looking crazy it's gonna be all baggy so i like to tailor the beat to what it is that you are you know what i mean so i'll even I- I- i'll tailor the beat for what i think he or she's voice will sound good on and then after they lay the rhyme i go back in and i like you'll hear the drums move when he moves mm-hmm. that's not him moving with the drum that's me moving with the way he or she raps i'll go back and alter the beat to really fit a ball you know when you get a suit and you need to these arms are kind of baggy under here so you will fit it you know what i mean to right. tuck it in and make sure that it's tight so that's what i do and um i knew that uh what kind of vibe I wanted to give him and if you listen to it if anybody listens to Cambada, Soul Supreme is totally different from anything that he does because it's a it's a joining together a partnership of, uh, of of different entities so when we me and him come together that's what you get you know what I mean
3: uh, you know Rocksteady features uh, Sorok and you obviously you know you, you, you work with Sorok and you've worked with her for quite a long time um, when is how is that I guess how is that creative since you've worked with her for such a long time how is that creative relationship different than i think any other artist you've, you've worked with especially in terms of knowing um what works well with her voice and what doesn't work well with her voice i mean how do you do, do you approach speech differently with, with her with that
2: you know it's funny with her like you
3: said i know her
2: very well so I literally, and she don't always agree, but when I make music for her, I'm like, yo, this is sound crazy for you. And she will be like, eh, or okay. And she'll just do it. But, um, but I, I, you know, with her, it's it's more of a, it's like drinking water, man. Um, I get it. You know what I mean? Like I said, like you said, it's been a long time and it has, um, it's like, I, 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 I know what her range is. And it's funny because even now she's exploring more singing, and so I'm learning, I'm in a whole other process of learning what her range is on that. But um, with her, I know for a fact that she's going to murder the beat. Right. I know. So I make, and most people think that, you know, you see a woman, she's a pretty woman. So it's, if you know, you think, oh, she's going to sing. It's going to be light. It's going to be pretty. We go against that grain. And we do most things you notice are hard. I do a hard, grimy, you got to be lyrical beat on it. And it, it always surprises people because she's, a, she's an anomaly. You know what I mean? So. Um, it's pretty easy working with rock. you know what I mean? We, we we make a we create a lot, and then you know that's my fiance, so it's 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 uh it's interesting sometimes, <laughs> you know. We in the same house too, so you know. But it's 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 dope. It's, it's a wonderful
0: experience.
3: Is there a beat or an instrument that kind of? Uh, uh, that you know, with with all respect, you know would not work well with her voice, but maybe she's convinced otherwise. (laughs) And uh, Um, and there's that kind of clash, creative mind clash in terms of like, she wants to push that envelope, but you kind of, as the producer, you know, be like, well, I don't know if this is going to work particularly well with you.
2: You know what, I can't, no, no, actually, no, I don't think so. She, she, I think she's more versatile. Let me say for this, she's more versatile than even I know. Um, Sometimes she'll say, "I want to do this," and I might think that it might not work, but it always works. You know what I mean? Well, uh, it's one thing I always I noticed about her. A lot of people say, "Well, uh, I'm a lot older than her, so she'd be like, they'd be like, I know you work with sarah You'd be giving her all juice. You show her everything. I don't show her nothing because <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to mess it up." what she is is what she is I don't first of all I don't write rhymes I can't right. she's smarter than me <laughs> number two I don't know where she gets it from because she didn't grow up doing it like this so uh, I just let it be and if she asks says she wants to do something then I'll, I'll just do it and it, normally I don't, I've never seen anything not turn out right, right. I think pretty much she's, she's, she's able to uh, shift and move and do what she needs to do around whatever sounds so I don't really have that problem with her
3: and I think the amazing thing is i mean watching I just was watching uh the a live show you two did where you just uh perform where you know you're in the back and she she's performing rock steady it just there's nothing like you don't have to tailor or 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 i guess cut back on she doesn't cut back on her performance you don't have to cut back on the beat in terms of the live show because yeah. you you will both step up to that plate and make it a live yeah. show make it happen um which is always like, oh, oh, incredible to watch um you know I think one thing that I I didn't realize at the time, but I didn't realize how 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 far back you got you you go, uh, in terms of your production and I you know and I, and I was looking at allmusic.com and I was looking at all the people that you've you've worked with you know Championaire, Nappy Roots Prez, Bizarre Pastor Troy TLC Madonna Monica Boyz and Men and all these artists and 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 it shows how versatile you are as as a, as an artist yourself and I kind of wanted to like ask about your experience with a few of these artists and kind of like what was the big takeaway for you. Uh, working with them, and then how, how, how do you, con- what, what, that, what, what are those lessons you learned working with them? How do you continue to use them in your craft today, if that's okay? Yes, uh, of so of course, I want to start with uh, TLC. And that's because in my mind, when I was in the 90s, I was supposed to marry Chili, but that didn't work out too well. But, uh, <laughs> really? you know, I thought I had it as like 11 year old, but didn't work out. But uh, of course, <laughs> so of course, I want to ask you about TLC and working with them.
2: So with them, I knew two of them when in high school. I knew Chilli and I knew T-Boz. So I was a DJ in the 80s and um I go back so y'all know. <laughs> and uh I would DJ a lot of the parties for the high schools. I would do a lot of the sweet 16s. So I would, I would do uh parties for their best friends. Or we would just we ran into each other a lot and did a lot of things. When they ended up being artists, uh one of my best friends was Dallas Austin and he was the main uh producer for TLC like under LaFace uh, Records. Mm-hmm. So with them, it was already a, a, a cool ship that had already started. And when we left our first moved here from Philadelphia, I got really cool with her. And then um, we would just work. So like me and Dallas would work day in, day out, 24 seven for years, just in the studio. And um, that was one of the artists that uh, L.A. Reed wanted developed. And so, you know, it was already cool. We were all the same age you know it was just they were they were open you know they were open they 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 understand hip hop. they understand the culture they they're not afraid to, to to break barriers and it was just fun you know what i mean because it's like your cousin you know what i mean yeah it was just regular you know what i mean and and so it, it was really cool they're really down to earth people and and you know i think i got it's funny because i got closer to lisa and lisa's from my town but <laughs> you know she's from philadelphia but i got really close to her and uh we were really cool and uh it was always elevation when dealing with
3: her. I want to ask you about uh, the nappy roots, and I especially want to ask you because um, you know, I'm from I'm from New York City, and I think there was there was a time in in you know you know East Coast rap versus Southern rap that I, I always I personally felt that Southern rap felt like it was coming from the heart a lot more than East Coast rap uh and there was like a kind of authenticity about it and and when i first heard nappy roots i was like oh shit this is this is exactly what i'm talking about i can't rap like them but i could actually you know but i feel like you could feel it from their heart so when you worked with nappy roots for the first time what kind of drew you to them as an artist uh and and what was your big takeaway from them
2: when i first met them i was living in new york this is what's funny i'm from atlanta but i was living in brooklyn and i had a meeting with this guy that was managing me at the time who was also managing them and he was also managing Knife wonder and little brother and we had this big big meeting and uh it was knife wonder little brother and some of the guys in that it's all in new jersey we all went to new Jersey to meet with this cat and um, you know uh they were really cool um because they record a lot in the studio that we have here in atlanta Initially, wait, let me go back. I think I met them through initially through Anthony Hamilton. We call him Aham. <laughs> <laughs> Aham would record in this studio, this big studio in Atlanta. And he, as you know, he was, he was all those big songs and him singing on their hooks. Right. And then I met him. Then we hooked up in New York. And this is funny. It's going to sound funny. I just said, knife one and little brother. I, we all traveled down to Philadelphia for a show. And I met this kid. This is a side note, but I got to put this in here. This is a little skinny kid with glasses named Trey. And it was Trey Song. And was like, you need to meet Trey. He's going to be big one day. He's going to be singing. <laughs> I was like, okay, where? Okay, Trey. What's up, Trey? And uh, Anyway, they was like, yeah, we want uh, some music from you for our album. And I remember uh, doing a song. Uh, the first song was called Ride Again. And... Uh, I flew down to Atlanta to record with them. And when I was there, Little John did a song and Kanye. So it was me, Kanye West, Little John, and David Banner. We're all in there. We did songs for these guys' album. If you remember that album, it was it had a lot of, they were big artists. And it's funny, this right. is the second album actually. And it was Kanye West, Little John, myself, David Banner, a couple more people. And um, they were just really, they reminded me a lot of the people I grew up with. They're from Kentucky. Well, most of them. One right. of them is from Georgia. And and they just reminded me a lot of brothers that I grew up with. You know what I mean? Like you said, it's funny you said from the heart. They really mean what they say. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They really live that, and I've been out to Kentucky with them, and it's an actual real thing. And um, for the better, for better or worse, may I say? And uh they were just really cool, man. And they were they were much more LinkedIn than people know. They helped a lot of people from Anthony Hamilton to Trey Songz to a lot of people they helped come along and do their thing. Is
3: that, I mean, is, is that less normal nowadays in terms of, you know, you were just describing how, you know, you're in New York, you go to Philadelphia, you meet a a young Trey Songz, but then you're also like uh, producing music and, you know, Kanye West is there and, you know, all those guys, right. Is that less so nowadays, uh, I guess, and I I think I know the answer to this, but, being now that you really essentially, a lot of people just, you know, email the beat, right? Um, right. When they're creating. Uh, I mean, and, and, and if you could also just kind of talk about maybe how you feel the, the creative process, this, this helps or hurts the creative process uh, with newer producers uh, that they're not able to experience kind of what you experience in terms of traveling and running into all these people.
2: Yeah, it's a lot different. That 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 connection is not, I believe, is not there like it used to, which probably uh, tells us why the music sounds the way it sounds, too, though. Mm-hmm. Not uh, as soulful as it was, it's not as meaningful as it was, unless you're working with the actual artists. But yeah, it was a totally different thing, because when you wanted to do music with somebody, they called you and you met with them, and you went to the studio and you talked and you... You you got to build, and they got to say yeah, and nay on certain sounds, and I got to say yeah, and nay on certain notes. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, it's it's an electronic weird connection going on. You know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, a, a lot of the uh, if you the more the bigger artists, to be honest, the people with the bigger budgets, they they be in the studio. You know what I mean? They'll go to L. A. and they all get to get in the studio because a lot of the publishers and writers understand that um that's still where it is. You know right. what I mean? Most of those people who do that are are, are, are friends of mine, and they they still do, they still do that. But for other people, more in more independent level, we got to email somebody and hopefully somebody get the beat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know,
3: you you've worked with a artist, you worked with hip hop artists, you worked with R and B artists, but then then to, to, to look at your your. You know your your discography we have madonna's on the list uh Mm -hmm. how did that come together and i kind of like what what where was she in her career at that time and then what were you know what were what was the collaboration you guys did
2: so what was that that was my baby's got a secret around that time so i said 95 96 she was big she was top uh it was, once again, this is Dallas Austin. So LA Reid would bring all these big artists, so they would hear about Dallas and our production company, and they would just come to Atlanta. Because we're based in Atlanta, and they would come down to record. And uh, she came with a what's that actress name? It's funny, I always laugh. I'll be telling Cyrock. Rock, uh, is it Debbie Mays? Is that her name? It was this actress that was big then, that one of her best friends. And uh, she would just come to the studio, and she was, like, really normal. I was surprised because, you know, she was such a big star back then. She was really normal, and we actually – we didn't, in fact, she didn't even want to record in the studio. She wanted to record at the engineer's house. She liked uh, more down-to-earth uh, things. But <laughs> I remember we recorded her, and this is funny. I don't know if anybody ever said this. We recorded her, we took, like, some sheets and put up, like, some stilts. And made a makeshift booth back then. She <laughs> nice. recorded under the under those sheets, like a little tent, like a kids play fort type thing. So she was really regular, really cool, real down to earth. And um yeah man, she was she was regular. A lot of the people, man. A lot of most of my designer is not on there. Because like I said, I work with Dallas. So there was Michael Jackson in the studio. Terrence Trent Darby was in the studio. Soul the Soul was in the studio. Everybody came through that studio. You know what I mean? And uh Got blessed to be around a lot of the "quote unquote" legends, you know what I mean, and see people that people will bug out. Be like, wait, is that? Yep, it is. Literally, <laughs>
3: out of all those people, what was like kind of the big, um, I mean, for you, like, oh shit, moment, uh, you know, like kind of, um, uh, um, you know, it's funny. A lot
2: of people don't even. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but to me, actually, it was, um. Too. I like. I used to really like the, the Trent Darby's music, and he walked in one day and he didn't have his braid locks or whatever he had. He had a regular afro, <laughs> and he cut it off. And probably the biggest was uh, Karen Wheeler from Soul to Soul. Mm. And uh, I used to have the biggest crush on her. My wife was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I, probably Karen Wheeler from Soul to Soul. She was. She would be in there a lot, I and mean, she and it was really dope. You know what I mean? Because she's so talented to me. She was so fr- She was from London too. You know what I mean? Back then, i didn't get to run into a lot of sisters and brothers from London. So she had the accent, and she was Rasta, and it was just really, really cool. Um, and 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 like I said, yeah, it's a couple of them, but I would say those two stand out.
3: You're like, I gotta go to the studio then. again. I just gotta keep going in the studio. Exactly.
2: I gotta <laughs> keep going She'd be Like, I'm coming. Okay,
3: <laughs> More and more as I've done this, so I'm 43. So more and more as I've done this, I uh, there's I I continue to get appreciate the the art of the scratch, uh, and I continue to appreciate that, and I and I love that on your discography it does point that out that you you know you're not just someone who creates speech, you also you you also don't shy away from the scratch. Um, what is your favorite aspect of the art of the scratch?
2: Okay, so when I was little, I got in trouble a lot around 1982 because I would try to scratch. I saw it, and friends in school was talking about it. So I would go home, and I would try to do it. And you know what they used to say, you're going to tear my needles up. (laughs) They were right. You would tear the needle up if you didn't know how to put the plastic under there. But uh, the scratching was something, it's like Kung Fu, man. It's like learning a technique that most humans Will never in their life be able to do so. You know, like with me, when I first started scratching, it's got a lot of new stuff, the transformers, all I never really learned all that new stuff. A straight up cut scratching and just just like traditional cuts, I love it. And 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 my goal was late eighties, early nineties, to put it on as many R and B records that I could, and I did. I don't know if I'm the first. But I did some real early scratching on records from TLC to uh, ABC Boys and Men. Like we did, like come on, Boys and Men with cuts in it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) You
2: know what I mean? So, so like I was really into making sure to put that facet of hip hop in a place that they said it didn't belong in R and B records. And um, it's just one of the things. Like I said, it's like kung fu. I always tell people respect my kung fu (laughs) because I've trained. You know to, to not more than ten thousand hours you know at least 30 shit almost 40 years on doing that and I still to this day make sure I keep it in most songs
3: Can you talk about the reaction I mean can you, the reaction of early scratches in terms of music I mean we obviously um, hip hop is so we we obviously grew up at a time where hip hop was not as commonplace right uh, you know I remember New York City had a radio station z100 when i was a kid that would actually have a liner that said absolutely you know absolutely no hip hop right and now it's just like now that's what they want all the time right um, right. so what was the reaction in terms of when you were putting scratches in r and B? I I mean, was it, was there any resistance to it or?
2: Yeah. Um, LA Reed asked, what is that? He said, when we, we turned into TLC and all his records, he'd be like, what, what's going on there? Is that scratching in the record? He was like, yeah. So at the time there was two things. It was sampling and there was scratching. And if you remember, Biz Marquis kicked it off with being sued by somebody. So you had to, it was scratching and there was sampling. So what we would, and it was a certain amount of seconds that you could use without having to pay or get sued. So we made sure that you knew that it was scratches and cuts that we did on the records. For instance, look at TLC, the song "Creep." Creep has a sample. Of this I made a cut. See, I said it wrong. A cut that said, "I was cutting." Guess who's back? Guess, guess, guess who's back? So Public Enemy used it. Uh, Slick Rick, I think Slick Rick is where I got it from. I think Chuck might have it from slick Rip. But it's actually, initially, it comes from Shinehead. Shinehead was the first one to do it. And so I remember doing the cut, and you're not supposed to be able to get sued for no cuts because it's not sampling. Guess what? We got sued for the <laughs> cut. Guess who's back? And it was Shinehead. And he was like, I want my money. And he was like, it's a cut, bro. You you are an artist. You've been around. You know what it is. But I know what it was. He's looking at Babyface in L.A. Reed, and he was like, oh, I can get paid. And I remember us trying to get in touch with him. He, I think he was in London at the time. And we were like, yo, it's cool because it's not us. It's not our budget. It ain't going to come out of our pockets. But we want to advise you that these, this is interesting, people don't understand, The TLC is going to be really big. So you might want to wait and get your publishing on it. Wait a minute. Don't just try to hit them for the money now. Wait, they're going to blow up. So you hit them, you got some money. And then we sold 24 million records. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're just out of the game, and You can't get a part of that. To this day, 30, how, almost 30 years later, I still get a check. So you, you could, you know what I mean? And it, it's just crazy. But cuts, a lot of people looked at it weird, but it, like I said, it, it cuts through easily. Because if you notice the music and beats with different R&B were hip-hop beats. We just put a little bit of keys over it. You know what I mean? And... um. It, it, it was accepted it, it was accepted and um a lot of fun too it made it made for a lot of you know it's funny because you don't really hear it now you don't hear none of it actually in r&b but, but then again it also goes to something that we don't really think about djs are far in between that actually scratch you know there are kids who started on the new digital equipment where they press buttons they don't even hands-on touch the wax i use serato you know what I mean, which is the wax that controls the uh, actual computer, but it's still waxed, hands on the needles that controls the computer. So that skill is lost on a lot of people, and you know it's not their fault. It's just I got lucky enough to be an old man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, you know, you, you not just do uh, music or beats for artists. You you've actually you you also do. You, you, you create instrumental you know versions of music and you have yeah. like something like life is a beast um, when you're doing something like that uh, uh, as an artist where when do you know this is just going to be an instrumental track and kind of what for yourself what do you get out of it when it's just an instrumental track
2: uh, instrumental track uh normally it's got a life of its own and you you could hear an artist on it, but more than likely it's like a jazz record. You know what I mean? Like, you know, with jazz, you probably won't hear, most times you won't hear singers on it, but the saxophone, the trumpet, the the, 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 the stand-up bass is moving on its own. It's got its own rhythm. It's almost like a vocal itself. So usually with instrumentals, that's, it, that's usually how I decide. If I got too much going on and I know that I can't break this down right here, I feel like it will take away from the beat, the artist rapping on it that's usually instrumental because I'm thinking like I grew up playing music from I think seven years old. They put me on my first instrument. So I think, you know, in, in notes and, and musically, I'm a hip hop head, you know, drums and everything, but I still think melodically, you know what I mean? And um, so you, if you listen to the instrumentals, they got their own little thing going on. It's just not a drum and a bass behind it. But, uh, but yeah, it's usually filled up itself like, in, you know, almost like a, if it was a solo of a, a, a saxophone playing over it, it's usually got a melody to it.
3: Has there been a time where you're just doing that kind of beat and then Sirach hears it and wants to get on it? Yeah, that
2: happened. I, yeah. think, like, I think you said Life of a Beast. I think she rapped over that on one of her songs, actually, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she does. She snatches a lot of them. Things, <laughs> I, think she don't, things I think she don't want, she takes, and things I, th- I think she should sometimes. She'll be like, uh, and then she'll hear somebody else on it. She'll be like, why did you give me that? I'm like, I did <laughs> give it to you. You know, but you can't hear it until you hear another vocal. Sometimes that it might work. You know what I mean? But yeah,
3: you mentioned you—you you also know how to play the live instrument. Uh, is there a for you when you're just kind of messing around with music? Is there like a go? Do you have a go-to instrument that you just kind of like to? Yeah, I guess jab to. Um,
2: I like the bass man. I love bass. I, I I use a lot of bass players. I usually initially play the bass part on the keyboard, and then I go to the professionals after that to. Add on to what I did, uh, which is why I'm gonna make sure I give a shout. I got two people that I use, one main guy. I got a brother named Steve Lake, who played a lot of Outcast stuff, and I got Preston Crump. Now, Preston Crump played all Outcasts. He played on Dr. Dre with Eminem, forget about Dre. He played on In Vogue, Madonna, uh, TLC. Me and him have been working together since probably about 90, maybe 89, 90. Preston Crum, he's amazing. He's one of the dopest bass players to me in music in the world. You know, he's just he knows how to ride the beat, he's not no he don't do all that. He just knows how to make a song feel good and heavy. So, bass is usually my thing, and I think it's because of him. I heard him playing when I was like 20, and I was like, Who is that? And he was just so dope to me. So, I like bass, I like the bass, you know what I mean? But, um. It's a process,
3: though. You as we mentioned, uh, God Complex comes up uh, September thirtieth, and you, you know, you obviously have a incredible artists on it: King Crooked, Sir Rock, Evidence, Locksmith, Slug, Mickey Fax, Planet Asia, Stickman of Dead Prez, Murs, you know, Lyric Jones, and many, many more. When you're creating something like this, how much of the discography do you have to know about the artist prior to going in, uh, to? to 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 knowing who you're gonna choose for for the album
2: No, I, I go by sound I go by what I think and what I feel when I see these artists or hear these artists so I usually write a list of who it is I want and then I go for it and I ask them i actually have relationships with maybe maybe was maybe one I didn't have a relationship on an album I just wanted them on there but um most most people i probably already have a relationship I like their work ethic and i believe they will fit this you know, this project good. So I don't really need to see discovery. I just need to know what I feel when I hear that music and hope that that translates to other people.
3: With what is, content-wise, what is the what is the conversation um, with an artist? And I ask that, for example, because you, you've, you've worked with, you know, a range of artists you worked with, and, and you including Dead Press, who obviously the quote-unquote political hip-hop group, right? Um, yes. For content, for content, when you're creating a beat, you know you're. In my mind, you, you're you have a message that you're trying to convey through the music, and then obviously, the artists with their words are conveying a certain message as well. How how is there a conversation you're having with them in terms of what yep. you want to?
2: Yep, I, I always have that conversation because, like you said, if you look at my discography, with the exception of young Jeezy, <laughs> <laughs> even, though he, even though he tried, that's a whole other story, but with the exception of certain artists, all of them are usually what we call quote-unquote conscious artists or have a message in their music. And I usually would tell them, this is what I'm thinking about. You could do what you want to do and have free reign, but, of course, we don't sell no drugs. We don't pimp no hoes. We don't do none of that on our music. None of those artists do it anyway. That's the reason I would probably pick them. But if I do pick somebody that doesn't, which nobody on this album is like that, I I have to tell them, which I've done for the new Star Rock project. I'm not going to tell y'all who, but she got some features with people that would normally be mad derogatory towards women, but we wanted to break the the, the mold and have them do something they don't normally do. So um, I have to have that conversation. Like, I'm going to tell you something. If I hear this, you out and they're like okay i got you i got you so uh, so no but I, I usually just give an idea of what i'm thinking and then um normally the way these artists if you understand the, the names that you said on these lists they all are in that realm anyway You know, what I mean? okay. because in the mainstream we don't get artists to say anything you know what i mean they all saw trash so um that's why i'm really excited about putting this album out uh with how the, uh, the partnership with Romps is, because they're more of a—you could call them indie, but they're not. They're like the indie underground mainstream <laughs> of, of underground hip hop. It'll it'll get more ears on it, just like with Syrah. She was top ten Billboard, and she was supposed to be an underground artist, but she was a lot of people don't know that. It was number nine on Billboard charts. You know what I mean? So, and number eight on rap. So it's it's more people will get it, and it's what we call constant hip hop. Um.
3: When we talk about creating beats for this track, was, was there a few, or oh, was there collaborations that, uh, in your mind, the what you created was perfect for a certain artist, but then when the artist got on it, you don't have to shout anyone out, but, you know, or call anyone out, but like the artist got on it and it just didn't work out the way you were envisioning it?
2: Um. Yeah, but then it'd be like the artist would be, not on this album, but sometimes when I do it, the artist would love it. And I'm like, uh... Ah. I don't really like it, but <laughs> it always ends up working out because people are, everybody's different. Everybody gets something different from the song. And for some reason, I would say a Nappy Roots works out, uh, comes to mind. It's not calling them out. They'll say, I would say, I got for you." Beefy. They would rap on it and they would come back and do something. That I didn't think that would, I was like, that's not really what I was thinking about, but they will go and they will put it out and then it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I work with them extensively. So uh, that's why I can speak on them. That's family. They 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 are um, they are true artists. You know, what I mean, they're really into the, the 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 science of putting songs together. And, and I, I listen to them when they feel like they want to do something, especially from those situations where I thought it wouldn't work. I'd be like, okay, well, you know what you want, you know what I mean? So it works out.
3: What, what What's the, for you, what's the advantage of, of knowing an artist really well in terms, and, and also what's the disadvantage of knowing them really well in terms of like when you're trying to create a to, to track together?
2: Well, yeah, like you said, it's both. When you know them really well, you know how to create to their, to like, 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 the, uh, if a, a rapper doesn't, he don't rhyme that fast, you know not to give him no high tempo music. But then again, sometimes. When you know them too well, ah man, I want they feel like they can just make you do anything. I'm like, no, I I want to do this, and then you know, since they're your boys, a lot of times they'll go against that. But it 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 does help. It's best, I think, to know uh, at least a little bit about the the artist because, like like I said, what's most important, you give somebody in a tempo that that's out of their wheelhouse, you can tell when you hear the song. You know what I mean?
3: Uh. I know this is probably going to change because we have a month and some odd days until your uh, God Complex is released. But what is the kind of the collab on this album that you're right now, super excited for people to hear that, that first is that, besides the two tracks that were already released.
2: Um, Crooked and Cyrock. Oh, wow. That record title track Thus, the reason it's the title track, track is amazing. The, and and, and the, just so you know You're the first one to hear this The video is amazing too It's amazing The record is crazy um, And the location Everything about this God complex Title track is crazy God's name
1: I'm killing off instrumentals In my leisure For me it's easy to be elite Not only do I hear it Got synesthesia
2: I see the beat Let the speaker i the syllable, Machiavelli I'm winning like the cat with the fattest belly I don't need to see the beat Black Revolution Actually, the uh song with all the sisters on it It's a, it's a record with Syrock, uh, Shade Noir, and little Jonge It's going to surprise a lot of people I, I really, You'll see what you hear of what it is you know what I mean? That's gonna be crazy cuz I'm rapping every dude that hit up on the shop so I'm excited about that song and I'm excited about that I'm trying try all of them but they don't stand out especially that like one God Black boys a ghetto made us this money can never change us but our mindset is the only thing that can separate us Pray to God and arm wrestle with the hands of time cuz time of death is one thing that you can't decide
3: now that it's done, what was your favorite part of creating God Complex?
2: You know, it's funny for me, it's not even even doing the music. It's after when we're recording the videos and, 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 and get to like, so with these artists, You know it's this these artists are all around the country. I'm based in Atlanta at the moment and I have to travel to those places to do the videos. I like that. I like the creative process of doing visuals and trying to make whatever song it is come to life. So, uh, the 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 going to work with evidence in Venice Beach to create the sound the the, the look of the soundscape for his, mine's and his song, creating the look and bringing to life the video for uh, God Complex with, with with cricket. Like I like that. I like putting after the music is done. I like creating the visuals for it. And, you know, I got several videos coming uh, for this album, and so. And you'll see when, even with this video that came out a couple of days ago with Shy Rock, you know, I, I use a lot of familiar things like the place with all the graffiti cans and all that. That's a friend a friend of mine's hip hop shop. You know, I, always, I love hip hop shops. That's my thing. It's like a museum to me. And I wanted to make sure we recorded in there and in my studio. You know what I mean? It was very uh, personal. You know what I mean? So you're going to see all the facets. I didn't get my break in, in there. I was supposed to have B-boy in there. Crazy legs. Had agreed to do something for it, but he was in Puerto Rico at the time and we couldn't get it done. But um, I wanted to get all four facets, but I'm going to add them to something. I mean, think about it. The title of the song is Rock Steady. I was going to have, you know what I mean, the the head of Rock Steady in the video. I was, I'm in the Rock Steady crew, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you ever read that in my. Yeah, I'm a member of the Bronx chapter, Rock Steady crew, and Atlanta chapter because I started that chapter. But it's rock for ROC, like Cy Rock Steady, and, and my history. Of b boy with Rocksteady steady cool and that and it was supposed to have a crazy legs. So that end part with the beat, doom when it ends and it the beat changes. And my old and my old the Public Enemy. I don't know if you heard that in there. It's a lot. It's funny. That song, yeah. If you listen to that song from the beginning to the end, there are I got to call Chuck too, cause I, so he can hear this. There are odes to Public Enemy throughout the song, but you have to listen though. And the end is just clear though. <laughs> well, at the very end but yeah it's all public enemy in that song which is great
3: okay so then i have to ask you if you were able to be a fly on the wall when this public enemy song was recorded which song would you have wanted to be a fly on the wall
2: here it is Bam! <laughs> <laughs> that right like, that damn record is the most amazing record probably ever made from the changes, the samples, the we're drums, the interludes.
3: Night of the living bassheads.
2: Night of the living bassheads. That that's where I want to be. Right there. If I could've just been there watching them. I mean, yeah, I mean That shit was dope. You know what I mean? And, we, and like I said, when they made it, we were you know, I, had, I like I said, I've been recording forever. So I was like, Wow, Bomb Squad. Okay. And that's why I love the Ice Cube's music so much because of what they did.
3: Right. That's incredible.
2: And uh when I was doing R&B hip hop stuff, I patterned a lot of what I did probably unconsciously on what because used a lot of samples and drops in in the R&B records like that. You know what I mean? And a lot of us did. If you listen to ABC, mm-hmm. uh, Playground, Aisha, that is the same crew. That's that's our crew, and we use a lot of samples, man. Uh, a BBD. Uh, you just listen to all these records. It was full of hip hop samples and drops and cuts.
3: That's it. I'm, I'm I'm also starting to realize how significant you were in the soundtrack of my childhood in terms of like ABC and and all oh, those yeah. guys like, you know, Oh yeah. It's another ABC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were,
2: they were literally little kid children. It was crazy. Like they were children, like the little one, which that, is the biggest. I don't know if you've seen these guys. What's his name? Not Ro. Um, whatever the smallest one was, you know, he's like six, seven or six, eight. He's like humongous now. But, uh, wow. Damn. But, he was a baby. He would cry. We have to hold him. That shows you how little they were. Like they were they were little children. You know what I mean? But yeah, they were, it was really interesting in the studio with all of them, man. And um, and it's funny because I'm still connected, not specifically to them, but the guy who who they signed to, this brother named Kevin Wells. He's a, uh, he's a he. A lot of the R&B that you saw was because of him, his brother in Atlanta. But I'm still connected to him. In fact, his children are artists now you know what I mean so this is you know like I said a lot of people if I still see Jermaine Dupree I still see Dallas Austin and we still run around the same little ciphers whatever but um, it hasn't stopped let me just put it to you like that some of us some of the people my age did stop but uh you know because I worked with uh Eric Sherman and them back in the day I used to do sample designs like, that's my thing sound sound design so drums and samples and stuff like that I would get them to these to these producers and these, these brothers that was doing music and because all I did was sit around and did through records, digging crates all day and snatching samples and snatching drums and, and sound design. So it was good, it's good to see, you know, Eric Sermon pop up every now and then. Too short, you know what I mean? I was around all these guys back in the day. I remember one day in our office, um, this is this kid Chubby fat kid walked in, it was Biggie. But I mean, you know, back then it was like we they called him Biggie. I was like, He's a kid. We need Biggie. <laughs> and uh and uh he ended up being the man. You know what I mean? It was just really dope,
1: you know what I mean? That's you know? dope. Wow. Uh
3: I mean uh new album, uh God Complex drops uh September thirtieth. Uh So Messiah, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for being on the Library Rap to hip up and Dudes with Timon Kelly I greatly like, appreciate this. Appreciate you for having
1: me, brother. All my real ones, I'm forever indebted First song I played was 523 when I copped the beam Tagged the Berlin
2: Wall and shot the Coliseum Straight shooter, I just call him how I see him Call me Ev, yeah, but don't be calling in the evening Sand to the beach, examine the speech Only got my word, two arms, hands and my feet No Planet rock when I stand in the street, run my city and my planets for kids and not three. From the break in the car street, a broad stroke with the far reach. I'm trying to write with the wrong teacher. I seen the lightning, heard the thundering. Hey yo, check this out. This DJ Evil D, you know what I'm saying? Representing beat miners, black moon, rock steady crew. Man, I got a lot of jobs. You know what I'm saying? But that—that—that's that, enough of that. You know what I'm saying? But word up! Let me tell y'all something right now. What you need to do is you need to make sure you subscribe and download the podcast library, rap the hip hop interviews with Tim Inicke. Word up, yo! You need to make that happen. Word up! You know what I'm saying? Because this is this is this is hip hop right here. It's hip hop and podcast form, and it's very informative. Do what you gotta do.
1: Word up. See you, in and I'm out.
0: See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out.